Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Real Estate Mogul MD. My name is Bob Bosick. I'm a retired executive, and I've had the privilege of speaking with medical professionals, high net income earners, and investors. We're here uh, today to share the real-world journeys along with the to-dos, and more importantly, the not-to-dos. I have the pleasure to talk with Vichy Mehta today, um, based out of uh, Las Vegas, um, Recently finished up some fellowships, residency, um, medical school, and has been uh, just getting started. And so welcome, uh, Vishi. Thank you for joining us. Uh, my pleasure, Bob. Thanks for having me and uh, reaching out to to discuss. You're very welcome. So tell us a little bit about um, when you decided that you wanted to go to medical school. What, how old were you? Um, sure. I think the the firm decision was probably when I was in eighth, ninth, tenth grade, there thereabouts. Uh, trying to see, you know, whatever was next. Um, I will admit I have a role model at home. My father's a physician, uh-huh. but that actually took an interesting turn because at that time, my parents were not entirely sure if they should suggest going into medicine. It's a long road and takes time to reach fruition. It's a hard road as well. And right. initially I was um, keen to go into engineering, but during grade 11 and 12, felt more and more interested in medicine, did all the prep, et cetera, for med school. And um, long story short, here I am. No, very good. Where'd you go to medical school? Uh, I went to med school in India, close to my hometown of uh, Bombay or Mumbai. Very good. And when did you finish medical school? In 2012. And how, how talk to us about the experience of being a an international um, medical school graduate and the transition over to the United States. Uh, what did that entail? Um, the transition was the transition was easy for the most part, at least in getting started. But some things that were difficult were not having a social security number when I showed up. Right. And when I went to try and lease my first car just before starting, I had been going to hospital by cab or walking. Uh, the dealer showed me my credit report and my score was zero. It wasn't low. <laughs> it was statistical zero. Because I just had my social about three days ago. Ah, congratulations! So, so, yeah, so so there were some you know random things like that that nobody typically thinks about. Um, I have family stateside, so I had been here on and off for many for many years. So there was not any issue being acclimatized to being in the U.S. necessarily. And then of course there's changes that come from going from medical student to resident. But um, my wife and I, um, my wife's a physician too. We couples matched for residency. Gotcha. And we met in med school. So, you know, we've been on this journey since um, you're about 18, 19 years old. So that's that, terrific. That Very good. And um, is she from the same country as you or did she? Yep. yep. Okay. We, we met in med school and then we did our residency together in um, Omaha, Nebraska, Creighton. Moved to New York City for fellowships. We both did the same fellowship in different hospitals. Um, Where did you do your fellowship? I did family critical care at Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in uh, in New York City. Yep, and that was um, very interesting. You know, very very specific niche set of patients, but within that niche, very very deep learning. So that was a great um, experience, and we had our son in residency, but we then had our twins at the end of fellowship when we were in the ICU and they were born early March, right when COVID kicked off. Oh, and boy. we were both ICU fellows. Um, so that was interesting, yes. Yes, very much so, I imagine. So is um, were there 
Were there any challenges being trained uh, in medical school in your home country and then coming to the United States? Is there different, um, are there different things that you would have to learn in some ways here or not? Uh, definitely. I think the biggest challenges were in expectations of roles and responsibilities mm. of what is to be expected as an intern and then resident versus what we were used to back home. How so? Uh, you know, I would say I, we felt more responsibility and then gradually more autonomy. And that was a little bit different than the experience um, back home here. We were encouraged to, you know, take the lead and see where we go with it. And always nice to have, you know, somebody who's got our back. So right. There was a lot of security while being, you know, given a fairly long leash. Right. Uh, I think other things that were different was remarkable access to information. Yeah, um, up to date is something we take for granted, but I had never really used it before coming stateside. And um, advanced imaging, actually, regular use of CAT scans, MRIs, which again is, seems so silly to say, but that was something that was big change and difference. It was always, um, you know, X-rays and X-rays being held up to the window to right. change the window um, rather than something on a computer screen, those kinds of things. Um, electronic charts. You know, we just had poorly scribbled paper notes uh, back there. So <laughs> that was also a change. Uh, a lot of things I think others um, are just used to, not so much take for granted, but used to. Is there, any, is there any extra steps for you as a medical student from a foreign country going into intern residency um, than, a, than a graduate from the United States? Uh, yes. The main extra step is having ECFMG certification, which is the Education Commission for Foreign Medical Graduates. Essentially to say, you know, after you go through your steps, etc., they say you're a real person from a real med school. And um, a lot of our documents have to be source verified by the med school to kind of make everything kosher, for lack of better words. But the exams are the same, and uh, I didn't do any residency back home or repeat anything here. It was just, you know, gradual next steps. Very good. Okay. So why was becoming a doctor important to you? Clearly, it takes years to do. It's a lot. It's a very... Um, labor intensive um, throughout your entire career, but certainly at the beginning stages of it, you know, what, why, why go this path? Why was that important to you? Honestly, it's medicine is interesting. That's, that's the best answer I have. Of course, you know, it's nice to be able to help people and to see the results of that effort. Um, you know, rather than say, I, design the software, software did this, and then there's some value to society down the road, which sometimes can be abstract, but that's just my opinion. Right. Um, I think there's a lot of um, realism. There was also a lot of variety, not just you know being interesting, but also different things constantly. So the kind of puzzle-solving aspect of yeah. it was very intriguing. And it's slightly I, different. I liked it. So that's that's pretty much it. What's the biggest challenge you faced and what have you learned from it through the entire process? Biggest challenge? I think um, one of the hardest things was when my wife and I were ICU fellows, when 
COVID had just started. So our kids were born early March, the twins. Um, so we were home on paternal leave, maternal leave. And everything was, you know, very quiet. There were maybe two or three cases in the hospital and we were in New York City. And then by the time I was ready to go back in um, 10 days, two weeks, the whole thing had exploded. Right. So managing um, night shifts or overnight shifts or 24-hour shifts in the ICU, my wife managing at home, and we had a four-year-old in addition. And then um, when she would go to ICU, I would try and do this all while uh, trying to find our jobs. And I was moving in three months for my third fellowship in Michigan. So juggling all of that was a um, fairly impossible task. Um, I had to go on FMLA because there was no other way to, to do it. And wow. um, we tried to just kind of stay afloat, basically, um, at that time. So, you know, when we go back home nowadays and, you know, we're home in you know, fairly regular hours, or right. at least for doctors, um, and we say, okay, we're busy or this or that, you know, we kind of remind ourselves there's nothing like those, those three or four months that we, that we went through. So why know, three went, fellowships? So my third fellowship was an in interventional pulmonology. I did that in Michigan at Henry Ford hospital where I learned advanced bronchoscopic techniques. And how much are each, how long are each of these fellowships? So I did pulmonology for two years, uh, critical care for one year's. And the interventional fellowship for one year. Uh, my program for pulmonary was unique that pulmonary was separate from critical care, but at the same time, they were in the same hospital, same administration staff. My email did not change. My pager did not change when we transitioned through. So really the same thing. Um, but the intervention year was um, an extra year with main, main focus on lung cancer, the early detection, screening, staging of lung cancer and that's most of what i've taken from that training and put into practice today especially in uh, nevada wow interesting um if you could go back you and your wife could go back uh, to your 18 year old selves what would you if you go back in time what would you two tell each other um with the wisdom that you have now getting ready if you were at 18 getting ready to go on the journey what would you do different um, I don't think we would do anything different, but, uh, you know, we would tell each other that it's going to be a long road, um, but it's going to be worth it. So, you know, it's not so much that there's light at the end of the tunnel, which just means your journey is ending or your hardship is ending, but more that there will be hardship, but it'll be worth the hardship. So I think that's what, that's what I would say not to, you know, put your head down or um, put your chin down or let your head drop, things of that sort. So do you, um, knowing that you both are, I mean, I talk to people at various stages in their career. Um, do you find that um, you're already thinking about, you know, I need to be ahead of the curve on investments and what am I going to do? Or have you given any thought to that and how you're going to go about it? Um, absolutely. I started investing somewhat in 2016, 2017, and for um, a couple of years did okay, um, or better than okay. But when we found out we were going to have twins, um, maybe three or four months after that, sold everything. 
which is not much by grown-up standards, but it was a lot to us. And right. then through COVID, missed the rise after COVID, um, but consequently have missed most of the fall or recovery also uh, because our energy has gone in new new location, new jobs, first jobs, and now you know three kids. But sticking on that same theme, most of my efforts now are um, for their education to make sure we have saved up more so than my personal retirement funds or not. Because for me, their education is a priority. I don't need much to to go on. At least that's what you know, my wife and I feel. But if as parents, if they are secure, then the rest of it does not matter. So what would be uh, what were the investment tools you were using? Were you doing Bitcoin or uh, stocks, or what were you doing? No, it was mostly individual stocks. Yeah, um, uh, Shopify, a little bit of Twitter, Microsoft. When it was sixty or seventy dollars, not so much Apple. Missed Tesla, um, but that um, space. There were some good runs with DocuSign, Carvana. So on, so yeah. forth. But I found myself spending so much time there. I know that I I, I could not start staring at the screen a lot, don't you, during the day? Uh, <laughs> uh, a lot, a lot. You know, Yahoo yeah. Finance all the time. But yeah. yeah, very good. Is there anybody along the way that you think the listeners uh, probably don't know, but maybe they should know? Is there anybody that you can think of that they might want to hear or listen to? In terms of Anything, anything you've learned along the way that was life transformational for you or an aha moment? Is there a book? Is there speakers or anybody that, um, and it's okay if you don't have somebody that doesn't come to mind, but if somebody um, does, you have someone? Yeah. yeah um, you know, I find myself going back to a couple of lectures from um, Adam Grant, I think, who speaks about motivation and procrastination. And I think listening to something like that every few months, even if it's the same thing, is a great part of um, metacognition and thinking about how each one thinks and how you know we interact with the world around us and what our own own um, makeup is. So I think um, some of those thoughts I've tried to keep, and I tend to have some out there ideas, and I sometimes get told to kind of you know stay within the box but i remind myself it's okay once in a while to at least explore and think and you know there's no harm in um thinking about things and trying things as long as you know you're not doing something crazy or reckless uh, i, I use that mostly in the crypto space or the uh investing space or even in um, trying to expand business or work and so on and so forth very good are you going to um, function as a hospitalist or will you open up a practice somewhere? How will you go forward? Sure. So I'm in um, a private practice with the Comprehensive Cancer Centers of Nevada. And we are uh, about 40 to 50 doctors, mostly oncologists. But I'm one of the lung doctors uh, within that division. So my training has always lived at the intersection of pulmonary medicine, lung disease, and oncology. Uh, in fact, I launched the robotic bronchoscopy program at Mountain View Hospital, which is where I did two procedures this morning. And this lets us get to very, very small spots 
in the lung with a lot of accuracy. And this is, you know, the future and the future is here. So I find uh, that I'm going to be carving my niche in this space at this intersection. And I think that's very, very exciting and interesting. And some of the efforts I take, which is where I was before we got on the call, is going door to door almost to primary care doctors and explaining the benefits of doing lung cancer screening and how we can save lives by finding cancer earlier and how I can help with this technology in getting a diagnosis. So we don't have patients who have late stage disease, but we have early stage and we shift the stage early. So that's where most of my um, energy goes and I'm not directly seeing patients. Well, that's very interesting, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate uh, you joining us today. I know uh, time is tight for you today. There's You're on to some um, other things and helping other people. But, Vichy, uh, I just wanted to say thank you very much for joining us today, sharing your interesting story, telling us a little bit about yourself. Um, and uh, you have a terrific day. My pleasure. Thank you for having thank me. You. All righty. Bye-bye.